0: Well, i tell you what, I was praying this morning and uh, thinking about what God would have me to do or what he'd have us to do in the service tonight. And as I was praying, God laid this passage of scripture and this message on my heart. So I want you to pray for us for the next few moments. And uh, I pray that God will speak to your heart tonight and that the will of the Lord will be done. I came tonight and I said, God, I want your perfect will to be done in the service. And uh, if you know me, you know I don't have to preach and don't come to preach most of the time, especially when we're having revival. But uh, the Lord just really dealt with me about something tonight. And so I pray that God will speak to us all. Amen. If you're able to stand with us, John chapter number 6 and verse number 65. John chapter number 6. And verse number 65, one thing I've discovered about this meeting is you absolutely do not know what God is doing in this meeting. I'm telling you, from calling people to preach, to people getting right with God, getting right with each other, and I love it, don't you? Amen. Amen. To even starting this meeting, I'm telling you, uh, it started on a day that I remember coming to church on Wednesday night. And, uh, of course, I didn't come to get through the service by no means, but just came uh, tired in body. And I'm sure you've come many times like that. And who would have ever thought God would do what he has done? Amen. Amen. But I praise him for that. Amen. Amen. He's answered some prayers. And I just appreciate the Lord, and I appreciate what he has done. John chapter 6 and verse 65. The Bible says, And he said, Therefore said I unto you, that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Let's bow for prayer, then you can be seated. Father, I want to thank you tonight for the Word of God. I want to thank you tonight for your people, Lord, for the good songs we've sung, the testimonies that's already been given. And God, you know what you're doing in this place, and I pray you'll continue to work in every heart. I ask you to take the message, Lord, we do not want to be seen tonight. Lord, we don't want the flesh to have any platform. I pray that the presence of God would be real to us and Lord, that you would be glorified, that your son would be magnified and the church would be edified. Lord, may we see no man save Jesus only. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I wrote this sermon on the back of a bill, so I just kindly scratched it down, and I reckon bills are worth something amen they 're worth writing sermons on, and that 's about it. amen. Uh, but when you come to this passage of scripture tonight, uh, Jesus is telling us several things about discipleship, and I want to just mention these and move on because really one of them is really our fault tonight, but all of them are worthy to be mentioned uh, because it has to do with revealing what real discipleship is all about. Now, Now, if you're saved tonight, every one of us that are saved, we are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that right? And when you think about real discipleship and what it reveals, uh, I see in verse number 65 the truth about discipleship. Jesus said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given him of my Father. Now, to be a true disciple, in other words, there has to be old-time conviction and old-time conversion to be a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot just uh, uh, join the church and become a disciple or be baptized and become a disciple. Uh, You've got to be born again to be a disciple. And in order for that to take place, there is a choice on man's part, but then there is conviction on God's part. Amen? Uh, That deals with the sovereignty of God and it deals with the free moral uh, agency of man when it comes into salvation and you cannot separate the two. And so there's the truth about discipleship. And then I see him. The next verse here, the turning back from discipleship, as the Bible said, from that time many of his disciples went back. Now it's important to note, Brother Ronnie, that uh, they do call, that. The Bible does call these people disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, but the tragedy of this text uh, is that they turn back. And I think every one of us knows the, uh, people tonight that were truly saved, truly born again, but they're no longer with us amen and not everybody that has went to the world is lost amen Uh, but some of them tonight due to the pleasures of this world uh, due to to circumstances of life for whatever reason they've chosen not to walk this way anymore and so there's the turning back of discipleship and I think every one of us ought to be reminded of that that no matter how much we may feel that we're strong in God today no matter how long we have been serving God there's always the Tendency that any of us uh, could turn and walk away from God tonight. Amen. I remind myself and I remind you tonight that men and women that have served God, that have walked closer to God and been far more greater as disciples of the Lord than you and I have turned back and went back to this world. And so there's the turning back from discipleship. And then I see there's the tragedy about discipleship. As the Bible says in verse number 66 that they walked uh, no more with him. Do you know the real tragedy of turning back? when it comes to discipleship. It's not that they let others down and certainly that happens. It's not that they mar their testimony and certainly that happens. But the real tragedy of discipleship when we walk away from God is that we no longer walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I think a lot of times when people quit church and quit on God, we take it personal and as a pastor we take it personal and as a church we take it personal because it hurts when people quit I mean it hurts as a pastor when people quit it hurts the membership when people quit and we all suffer and I think there's a period of depression that we all go through when we look at that place uh, where they once sat and we don't see them sitting there no more but what we have to remind ourselves is that they're not listen they didn't stop walking with us Uh, they stopped walking with him and that's the real tragedy of turning back on God amen I think tonight that many have quit some have got discouraged because others but can I tell you tonight we're not serving others we're serving God amen And though none go with me, still I will follow Jesus. The songwriter said, because I have decided to follow Jesus. And So there's the tragedy about discipleship. But then notice in the next verse, our text verse here tonight, there's the test about discipleship. Look at what Jesus says unto the twelve. He said, will you also go away? Here's the real test about discipleship tonight is what will we do after others have made their decision? I'm preaching tonight on this subject on how far will you go with God. How far will you go with God? You see, how far you go with God does not depend upon your family tonight. It does not depend upon your husband. It does not depend upon your wife. You say, oh, but preacher, if my husband serves God, uh, then I'll be able to serve God more effectively. But I beg to argue the point. It may help in the situation, but how many people do we know tonight that went on and served God in spite of their husband? How many do we know that went on and served God in spite of their wife, amen? How many that went on and served God in spite of their children and children in spite of their parents, amen? Amen. I want to say tonight that how far we go with God depends solely upon every one of us as individuals tonight. That's the real test. Jesus looked at them and asked them an individual question. He said, will ye also go away? And I see here the test about discipleship. I see here the testifying of discipleship. As Peter says in verse 68 and 69, he answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then there's the trouble in verse 70 and 71 in discipleship, and that is that even amongst the 12, one of them was a devil. Amen? I mean, when you think about this, even the inner circle of of our Lord when it comes to 12, and we know there was an inner circle in the 12, but my friend, even amongst the 12, one of them was a devil. You know tonight, the devil will plant devils in the church tonight. That's not for me to go around and label people. Only Jesus really knows who the real devil is. Peter, James, and John, as spiritual as they were, none of them knew that. Because when they sat at the table and Jesus said, one of you will betray me, every one of the disciples looked at each other and said, Lord, is it I?" Judas had done such a wonderful job at living for Jesus in front of others that even uh, those around him thought that he was the real deal. And only Jesus knows uh, who the real devil is. Uh, uh, But there's trouble in discipleship. And young uh, people, listen to me tonight. The trouble in discipleship is that, yes, there's going to be people that's going to betray you. There's going to be people that you love. There's going to be people that you help. There's going to be people that you've reached out to and you've helped them along life's journey only to find out they're going to betray you. They're going to leave you high and dry. And the test of real discipleship is what will you do when those that you have served God with walk away? How far tonight... Will you go with God? As I was reading that text this morning, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and I thought about the question that Jesus asked here when he said, will ye also go away? I see that this question is a confrontational question as Jesus is putting that before them at the very moment that others are turning back, at the very moment that others are walking in another direction, Jesus looks at them and says, what's your choice now? What are you going to do when the crowd is no longer following me? You know, I think we all have to think about that tonight. What are you going to do if everybody in this youth group quits? What are you going to do if everybody in your family quits? What are you going to do if everybody you went to college with quits? What are you going to do if everybody you've served God with down through the years one by one if they quit? Hey, this is a confrontational question. How far are you willing to go with God? Amen. You can't wait for others to come along life's way and you can't hold hands with others and follow them. Even amongst the 12, one of those quit after all that Jesus had taught and preached and said and done. Even one of them blew out. But you've got to make your mind up and this is a choice Jesus Opens the door wide open. He doesn't force them to serve him. He doesn't put pressure on them. He doesn't guilt them into serving him and say, "Now you're the twelve, and I chose you." No, Jesus opens the door wide open and say, "Hey, who do, Which direction do you want to go? Do you want to follow me, or do you want to go join them tonight?" You know, I think in all of our life, Jesus, there comes times when the Spirit of God draws a line in the sand. And says, which way you gonna go? Are you serious about serving God? You see, tonight you may be sitting in church and on a Tuesday night in a second week of a revival meeting and say, Well, preacher, it's pretty evident that I'm here, uh, that I'm going to go far with God. But can I be honest with you? There's a lot of people that sit in church uh, that never go far with God. Just because you're around the things of God doesn't mean you're going with God. Amen. I've watched people sit six feet from the well and dry up and die on God and get out in sin their heart long before they ever quit. Uh, they sat down on God. Uh, you see, friend, if you're going to go with God, uh, this is a crossroads in your life and mine tonight as to how far we're willing to go. You can't say, I'm just going to go so far. You can't say, I'm just going to go this far. No, listen, if you're going to follow Jesus, uh, you got to be willing to follow Him all the way. Uh, you've got to be willing to separate from this world. Uh, you got to be willing to surrender to His will. You've got to be willing to Commit to his work. you got to be willing to sever all your wants and shred all your wishes and saturate yourself in the word and sell out to his ways and be steadfast in his warfare and be satisfied in his worship. you got to sound out his witness. of Following Jesus involves a cross. It involves confrontation. It takes commitment and courage and consecration. You've got to rid yourself of all pleasure and all pride and all popularity and all passions and all praise you got to lose your identity and get rid of your image and say if I'm going to serve Jesus I've got to be willing to sacrifice and do whatever he calls me to do the greatest day in my life and I've made so many mistakes in serving God I've made so many blunders there was a time when I wouldn't tell that for fear of what people would think. But you know, the longer you serve God, sometimes you just get in a place where you really don't care. Amen. I care about my testimony. But I'm telling you, tonight image means absolutely nothing to me. Amen. I'm not interested in impressing nobody. Somebody say it, man. I'm not interested in somebody... I Listen, I, I appreciate encouragement. I'd be lying to you if I if I didn't tell you. I appreciate encouragement. I thank God for when people say, well, I enjoyed the message and I appreciate that and I value those things, but can I say at the same time, I'm not living for those things tonight. If you're living for a pat on the back, if you're living for a title or a trophy, if you're looking for some kind of recognition in this life, serving God involves suffering and sacrifice a cross. Before the crown. It's not about titles and trophies. It's about doing the will of God and peeling your head at night and knowing that whether man be pleased or not, you did what God wants you to do. I'm talking about will you go far? How far will you go with God? It's not about success in the ministry. It's not about success with your home and your family. It's all about pleasing the Lord. How far tonight will you go with God in your prayer life? How much time are you willing to give in the secret place of prayer? How many tears are we willing to shed and to see God work and God move? How many hours are we willing to give to God in the secret place? A person with a real prayer life does not brag about their prayer life. Those that boast about how much they pray, mark it down. They either really don't pray or their prayers are in vain. Amen. Because the Bible said, and when thou prayest, enter into thy closet and shut the door and pray to thy Father which is in secret and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. If I boast about how much I pray, and then I have my reward, amen. But it's that secret place of prayer that God honors and God blesses tonight, amen. How far are you willing to go in your prayer life? How long has it been since you really cried out to God in earnest prayer? How long has it been since you fervently prayed over those things that you have need of the Bible says your heavenly father knoweth what things you have need of before you even ask Uh, prayer my friend is the most important thing in the Christian life without prayer uh, we cannot go forward without prayer we cannot have power we can do a lot in the energy of the flesh uh, but it will exhaust you it will wear you out Uh, it will build the flesh up Uh, and in the end it doesn't bring lasting results Uh, it may bring a big uh, commotion It may may draw a lot of attention, but trust me, it doesn't last. It fades out. But when something's been bathed in prayer and when something's been saturated before the throne and it's not man that does it, but it's God that does it, amen, it'll have eternal value and lasting results and fruitful rewards that'll bring glory to God and not to the man. Isn't that right? That's why prayer is so important. Prayer reveals who we really are. Prayer has a way of revealing our weakness in God's greatness. Prayer has a way of pulling the cap off and showing things in our life that we could never see. Prayer is the only way to, my friend, reveal the pride that may be in all of our hearts. Pride is the only disease that makes everybody else sick but the one who has it. And can I tell you something, friend? Pride is so blinding tonight that apart from prayer, you and I can be so full of self and never even see how full of self we are. Say, how do you know that, preacher? Because there's times I went to pray and God has shredded me of self. He has showed me my foolish pride, ego and arrogancy and all the things that grieves God. Who are we that we are so wicked tonight? Can I tell you how wicked we are? It ain't a shouting sermon, but it's a needed sermon. Can I tell you how wicked we are tonight? This flesh is so wicked that we'll take the very crown off Jesus' head and put it on ourself. And we'll do it in a testimony. We'll do it in a sermon. And we'll do it in some good deed just to be seen or just to draw attention. You say, oh, I've never done that. You're lying and you know it. Amen ain't no point in you putting the dog on ain't no point in you, uh, point in you putting the mask of religion on you know good well as well as I do that we've all said things uh, and they saw us and they didn't see him and I say shame on me I say shame on you uh, there'll be no touch of God uh, but it's in the prayer closet uh, that when we come before God uh, there's no pretty prayers to be prayed uh, for God knows our heart he sees us as we really are it's in that prayer place uh, and that as a little child we come before him uh, realizing how weak uh, and how much of a failure we are Uh, oh it's a good thing uh, when we find the secret place of prayer with God no boasting about that is there tonight you can go in the prayer closet feeling real tall and you can come out you know you got a hold of God when you come out broken and you come out crawling in your heart. You ever prayed and walked out and been so disgusted with yourself when you got through praying? You hear how quiet it is tonight? It's okay. That's where we need to be at tonight. That's where I need to be. You ever talk to God and seeing yourself so much that when you come out you're sick of yourself, that's a good place to be. It's when we come out feeling like, man, I really got a hold of God. We probably didn't get above the ceiling. But when we come out still broken, saying, Oh God, please hear me. Oh God, please help me. That's probably when we really touched heaven. We come out and we're just we're just lowering that carpet. And it seems like the rest of the day things are different. I'm talking about how far will you go with God in your prayer life. It's not about how long you pray, neither. Somebody say amen. Amen. I was with some preachers one time, and I remember a man telling I'm not being critical, because I thought it was a good time good thing at the time because I didn't I didn't know no better. But uh, one of the preachers said, he said, How long you praying now? Another one said, Well, I'm up to an hour and ten minutes. I'm gonna tell you something. When I heard that, I said, Man, I'm terrible. I'm just being honest with you. I said, I pray 10 minutes and we'll go to sleep. Now, I know none of y'all had never had that happen to you. I thought when they was talking about that, I said, man, I pray 10 minutes, Brother Charles, and I run out of things to say. That's right. Though I found out a little bit later on, most of the prayers I got answered were not when I prayed long, 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 long time. And I'm for long praying, amen. Jesus said, what can you not watch one hour? I think we ought to pray an hour, Amen. But I'm going to tell you something. If you pray an hour, you won't tell nobody about it if you really prayed an hour. Amen. But I'm telling you, listen, uh, most of the prayers God has answered has not been long prayers. They've not been pretty prayers. I'm going to tell you the prayers God has answered for me. They've been desperate prayers they been prayers when I just needed God. Earnest prayers, fervent prayers. Uh, Elijah called fire down from heaven, not because he stayed all day and all night, uh, but because he had a prayer life that was earnest. He uh, had a prayer life that was fervent. Uh, with the God, it may take an hour or two to get past ourselves, uh, but so we can get a hold of God. Uh, but God is looking for somebody. Uh, he's looking for some young men uh, and some young women uh, that will go far with God uh, in your prayer life and be earnest about your prayer, amen you want God to touch you, have a prayer life amen every preacher here tonight and you know that I believe in studying and I thank God for books and I believe you ought to read books and study but there's no substitute for Holy Ghost praying, amen? There's no substitute for getting along with God and getting in touch with God there's no substitute for emptying yourself out and saying dear God would you fill me up, prayer can do more than all the book learning you and I can ever do, hey listen it'll puff us up but prayer will put us on our face amen and I think that we're living in a day of intellect but no power hardly we certainly need power don't we how far will you go with God in your prayer life maybe tonight you've got children that need to be saved you better pray for them if you want to see them saved maybe tonight you've got a prodigal son or daughter that the devil said don't pray no more for them there's no use in it don't ever quit praying for them amen George Mueller prayed 33 years for both of his brothers and when he died, they were both lost. But at his funeral, when the preacher got through preaching and gave the invitation, coming down the aisle was both of Brother Mueller's brothers. And one got saved on this end of the casket and another one got saved on this end. You know why? Because the prayers of the saints live on God can do more through prayer than you and I can ever think about doing. God's got avenues. He's got resources. He's got ways. He's got ability. He's got wisdom. He's got knowledge. Uh, He'll move mountains. He'll crush devils. uh, He'll remove roadblocks. He'll bring mountains down and He'll raise valleys up. uh, He'll part the waters of your life. uh, He'll see you through the storm. uh, He'll provide the need when it looks like there is no need. Uh, He's got barrels uh, that though they look empty yet they're full. Because God can do more through prayer than you and I can ever think about doing. Prayer is so important tonight, isn't it? How far will you go with Him in your prayer life? How far will you go with Him in soul winning tonight? Oh, if there's anything that revival ought to bring in my life and yours ought to bring a, a burden for sinners tonight. Souls are dying and going to hell. The Bible said, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. I cannot say tonight, if there's anything that we need, we need a brokenness over people that's going to hell. We need to see them in the flames of hell. We need to see that mother, that father, that sister, that brother. We need to see that grandfather, that grandmother, that neighbor, that co-worker. We need to look beyond the exterior of their life and see their soul and how that they need God and there's people all around us going to hell and tonight if we'll get a burden for sinners a burden for souls a God will set the church on fire but how far will you go in soul winning amen? will you pass that track out will you live that life before them and be that good example that they can see Jesus in you tonight will we do that tonight Tonight will we live our life above reproach and will we sell out and surrender things of our life that others would not see us but see Jesus in us. Can I tell you what's happening in 2017 in our church world? Is there's a lot of people screaming liberty today in Christ. And there are some things, I'm going to be honest with you, they're not unlawful, but they're not expedient either. What that simply means is this, that yes, I may not have chapter and verse to tell you it's wrong, but I can tell you this, it's not worth your testimony before a world. Amen? I may not be able to take that Bible and say this is wrong to do this and this is wrong to do that and others will say well we got liberty and they'll just say well you're just a legalist no I'm not a legalist but what I believe tonight is this Uh, there are some things I'm not going to do not because I'm better than anybody God knows that not because I'm walking on some other plateau God knows that's not true it's just because I want to guard my testimony it's because I don't want some lost person to look at me and say well if they can do that and they say they're a Christian then I'm as good as what they are I just don't want to sell some things out amen it's not worth somebody looking at me and dying and going to hell over and so there's just some pleasures in life they're just willing to forfeit them amen Amen. because tonight being a Christian is not about how much I can get by with it's about how much I can give For him. Am I telling the truth tonight? Tonight, if somebody was to tell me, and I know people can take things to the extreme, but can I just say it like this? Your testimony and my testimony is the most valuable thing that we have. It's not worth a nickel or a dollar in this world. I don't care. Listen, if they jip me down at the restaurant, five extra dollars, I may bring it to their attention. But I'm not going to get bowling mad and I'm not going to blame somebody over five bucks. Somebody say amen. They can keep the five dollars. I'm not losing my testimony. I'm not that tight and I'm not that stingy. Somebody say amen. I don't have much money, but if if they can live with it, I can live without it. Amen. I'm telling you, listen. there are just some things. If it's not right, sometimes you say, "Well, preacher, I paid for this, and and I want it right." I understand that, but you ought to always remember the person you're dealing with is lost, amen. The person you may be dealing with, they may say they're saved, but you better think about it. And it's not worth a. Uh, it ain't worth a bottle of shampoo, and it ain't worth a wrench, and it ain't worth a. Uh, listen, it ain't worth uh, anything, I, uh, my friend. Uh, losing your testimony over something and. Standing at the judgment seat of Christ, uh, you may have got what you wanted, uh, uh, but you lost far more than what you had. Uh, I'm just simply saying tonight, uh, how far are we willing to go to reach a soul? Uh, how far are we willing, willing to go uh, uh, to bring somebody to the foot of the cross? Uh, are we willing to knock on their door? Are we willing to put them in our car? Are we willing to sacrifice the time? Are we willing to shed the tears tonight? Are we willing to drive the miles? to win that soul. How far will you go in soul? How far tonight will you go in worship? Amen. Well, I tell you, our churches are dying. Isn't that right? You remember the day when the church had power and the church had a touch? And can I tell you, we need old time worship back in our churches. I'm afraid sometimes we got the cart before the horse though. You know, we want the services to be lively and I want every service to be lively. I want everybody to shout. I want everybody. I mean, I'm not saying you gotta act like me and I gotta act like you, but I want everybody to go to meeting. Isn't that right? I hate to preach and it sound like a funeral home. I hate to preach, and Everybody just sit there and look at you. I, I believe, listen, I was raised in the day, if you're a preacher, you say amen every time you go to church. Isn't that right? And nobody have to ask you for an amen. And it doesn't matter who's doing the preaching. Isn't that right? Uh, you just get with the man of God and he preaches the book. Uh, and that's what, I've been trained that way. And by the grace of God, I'm going to die that way. Amen? Every time I go to church, I'm going to raise my hand. I don't have to wait to feel nothing. You don't have to do that. I just believe the Bible says, uh, uh, let all oh, let everyone lift their hands up in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Hey, that's Bible, isn't that right? And so every time I go to church, I just find me a place to raise my hand and bless the Lord, amen. It's amazing how people sit in church like wooden Indians nowadays. And then I'm gonna tell you something, I see there's a lack of spirituality is why there's a lack of worship. People used to worship because they're spirit-filled they come to church full of God they come to church excited about worship they come to church to get in not to get out they come to church to, to hear singing and preaching and they had been talking to God they was excited about the service and excited about the atmosphere and they wanted in on whatever God was going to do they wasn't distracted they wasn't on their phone they listen. they wasn't thinking about something else they wasn't worried about what they was going to do when they left but their mind was on the Lord amen Amen. and their heart was clean you know something tonight you can't ever get in a good worship service if you got something in your heart amen and, and I wouldn't give you a plug nickel y'all know what a plug nickel is don't you I wouldn't give you a plug nickel for somebody that can shout and testify I don't care if they got some people's got the gift the gab y'all with me tonight I'm only going to preach another hour so y'all get with it now. Some people's got the gift to gab and they can harbor stuff and have things in their heart and they can, listen, they can say words, they can articulate words and, and hey, that I wouldn't give you a plug nickel for somebody's shout that ain't got their heart right with God. Amen. Come on now. Y'all know what's the truth. I wouldn't give you a nickel for somebody. Listen, I can't reach across the aisle and speak to somebody else. I I doubt their shout. You can write it down, mark it down. I'll sign my name right next to it. Amen? I'm just simply saying this tonight. If it's as real as we say it is, uh, uh, listen, it don't change when we walk out them doors uh, and it don't change when the final amen is said. If it's as real right now, it'll be real 30 minutes from now. It'll be real when we go out those doors uh, and that's what's missing in our worship is the reality of worship friend I'm telling you performance is exhausting and some places that's all they have is performance I'd rather have 10 dead services and have one real good touch from God and know it was real as to come in here and just put on a show amen is that true tonight I'm telling you when the church I remember as a teenage boy growing up And going to meetings. And I remember being at Concord Baptist Church and some of those revival meetings, a lot of them. Some five weeks, seven weeks, 13 week meetings. And I can remember the choir cranking it up every night and people shouting and full of God and and the preacher would preach and people would shout him on. Then the invitation was given and the altar was filled and the front rows were filled with preachers uh, and the preachers were all itching to preach uh, and because they couldn't preach, uh, they was uh, agging the preacher on because they had to preach coming out of them. Amen. And it wasn't nothing for somebody to run out the side door and somebody to run up the aisle. Amen. Seemed like it was going on every night. You know why? Because people was full of God and they come to church amen they was ready to go to meeting they was ready to participate not spectate amen they wanted in on what God was doing everybody would lay aside everything there was no big eyes and little use there was no hard feelings I'm telling you friend if we can get all the stops out if we can clean all the cobs out if we can get all the arteries clean friend we can have meeting once again amen I think we got so much stuff we have to climb over nowadays. It's a thousand wonders God ever visits with us anymore. Is that right? I'm telling you, there's so much sin and so much bitterness and so much jealousy and so much problems inwardly that people can't see. I remember growing up and I'd hear Brother Sammy say this all the time. He'd always say there's more jealousy amongst preachers and singers. Brother Moore, that's what he'd say all the time. He'd say it every revival meeting. You heard him say that, I'm sure. He'd say there's more jealousy amongst preachers and singers than there is anybody. And I'd hear that. And I, sometimes I'd think to myself, Brother Cato, why does he keep saying that? You know why he says that? Because there's so much jealousy amongst preachers and singers. I'm telling you, I just want God to do what God wants to do. Amen. And I'm telling you, I I didn't know it then, but I'm telling you, it is a reality now. I have seen it, and it is far worse today than it was even back then. But how far are you willing to go with God in your worship? I'm gonna tell you something, friend. I don't want anything to hinder my worship, amen? I don't want anybody to hinder my worship. When I come to church, friend, I don't want my eyes on anybody. I don't want my eyes on anything. I I don't want anything in my heart. I don't want anything in my life. If there's something that's gonna hinder me, me uh, from getting in on what God's wanting to do. I I just want to get rid of it. Amen. I just want to give it up. I I want to go to church freely. Amen. I want to go to church and just worship God in liberty and in truth. Amen. 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 Spirit and truth. How we need that today. How we need that today. Well I'm telling you listen. You can miss out on so much when you don't have your worship right. How far will you go with God in worship? How long has it been since you raised your hand in church? How long has it been? Not since you just did those mechanics of worship. How long has it been since it's been real? How long has it been since you went to church and you thought, man, I can't wait to get to church? I can't wait to get to the prayer room. I can't wait to get in a choir and sing. I can't sing, but I can't wait to get in the choir and sing. I can't wait to hear somebody give a a word of praise and testify. How long has it been since your heart was really thrilled and my heart was really thrilled to do what we're doing tonight? How far will you go in service tonight? I'm going to tell you, if you serve God, this is what Jesus is saying. You've got to cut the cord of everything and everybody. That cord has to be cut tonight. If you're, you boys hear me and hear me well. You girls hear me. If you serve God, Jesus said it himself you cannot save your life or you'll lose it. You say, What does that mean, preacher? Cut the cord. That means you've got to bury up in an altar somewhere and say, God, I don't own nothing anymore. I don't have no plans. I don't have no goals. I don't have no ambitions. I totally surrender. I yield my life and I'm letting go and I'm taking my hands off and I will do what you asked me to do. That's cutting the cord, friend, and I can take you to the place. As a 15-year-old young man, I can take you to the place where I got an altar one night and I said, God, I surrender all tonight. I've sung the song many times, but I didn't mean it. But tonight, I surrender all you can take my life and you can go wherever. You You know tonight I love this church. But I can tell you about a time and I won't go into details tonight, but I can tell you a time when I thought out of the blue God shook my foundation and, and put circumstances where it looked like He was fixing to move me completely out of this church. And for about, for about three weeks my world was upside down. And I never wanted to go. I didn't. I even told God, I said, God, I don't want to go. But so many things was moving so fast. It looked like me and my wife got in our living room on our knees. And we, I said, God, I don't want to leave this church. I love this church. I plan to stay here all my life. But I said, if that's what you want, I said, Thy will be done. And we wept. And 24 hours later, what looked like was going to happen, what I didn't even want to happen, Brother Danny, It all went away. It took me six months. I scratched my head for six months and I said, God, why did you do that? You know why God did that? Because I said I would never leave this church. And it ain't mine to keep. See, anything you put your hand to and you try to hold on to, you rest assured, I don't care how good it is, God will take it away from you. And When I put my hand on this church and I said, well, I'll stay here to rest, and I, I believe I'll be here the rest of my life, but I tell you the difference in now and then is I will not say never. That's right. Because I don't want God to take it away from me. You see, tonight, total surrender says, I'm. I ain't touching it. God, it belongs to you. Total surrender is, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I will do whatever. I'm going to tell you, when I come to this church, everything I owned, you could put in the living room of that parsonage. Everything I owned. And we did put it in the living room of the parsonage. We just lived in that big old house. And they said, what are we going to do, man, with all these rooms? I said, I don't know. I lived in a single wide trailer. And that living room was half as long as that trailer I was living (laughs) in. I said, we ain't telling them. (laughs) Drove a car with a headlight knocked out of it. And we was coming up here the first Sunday and she said, you going to drive that up here? I said, well, I'm going to drive it. They'll either take us for who we are or they won't. I ain't borrowing no car. Drove that car, come back. And sold it the next week and didn't even have it. I said, God, I can't drive that old pickup. I'm going to tell you something. I still remember the day we took everything out of that trailer. And we headed up here. And I left home. And I didn't know what I thought. Coming up the road is what I thought. I thought, what if I fail? I thought, what if I fail, Brother Lamar? What if I get up here and it's like all them other churches you hear about and it don't work out and I got to pack up and I got to come back home. What's everybody back home going to think? And I got to go back to my home church. What's going to happen? You know, God's done more for me here than he ever would have back there. Amen. 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 How far are you going to go? And serving God. Best thing ever happened to me was when I left home, cut the cord, and left everybody I knew, and left everything I had and came up here to a place I didn't know. People I didn't. you know the first six months I wanted to go home? I'm being honest with you. Can you believe can you imagine that Brother Blake, can you imagine anybody wanting to go back to Murray County? <laughs> I did. I want to go back to Murray County. I come to church, I was as happy as I could be at church. But as soon as we turned the lights out and had to go back to the parsonage, I said, I just want to drive on past it and go to Chatsworth. That's what I wanted to do. And I remember for six months, every morning I'd get up and read my Bible, the Holy Spirit would say to me, you go home and you're out of my will. And I'll whip you if you go home. That's what held me for six months. Amen every morning he'd tell me that you go home you're out of my will and I'll whip you if you go home and after six months that went away and oh God's been so good to me I'm telling you if I die if I die in Chatsworth for whatever reason carry my bones back up here to Rossville (laughs) like they did Joseph (laughs) don't leave me in Egypt friend (laughs) bring me back up here isn't that right I'm glad this is where my kids was raised. I'm glad God let me. You know why this place, you know why, who could ever imagine Rossville being wonderful? You know why Rossville's so wonderful? Because of the will of God for my life. Hey, Papua New Guinea's wonderful, isn't it? Can you imagine going to Papua New Guinea? He can't wait to get there. He surrendered to, to go back and spend the rest of his life there. You know why that's so wonderful? It's the will of God. How far are you going to go in service? I'm telling you, I don't care if it's the backside of a jungle somewhere, Fred. I don't care if it's the, I don't care if it's the North Pole, amen. I don't care if it's on on the other side of the Iron Curtain. If it's the will of God, it's the most peaceful place in all of your life. But you'll never get there until you determine how far you're going to go. And some of you young people will never find the will of God until you get on an altar and say, "God, I want to go as far as you'll take me in this life." How far will you go in service? I'll close tonight as they come and get us a song ready. How far will you go in sacrifice? You know, that's really what serving God is, isn't it? It's sacrifice. And I don't like sacrifice tonight. I'm just being honest. Come here, Brother Ben. Come down here, Brother Andrews. Bring your family down here if you would. I don't like sacrifice. My flesh hates it. I want everything to be easy, don't y'all? Well, three of us do. I want everything to be easy. I want God to pay all my bills. I want Him to put money in the bank and... I want him to make, you know, everybody healthy and wealthy and wise. And I want everything just to, you know, I want the church just to just do good and everything flourish and everything be blessed and never have a problem and no church member ever gripe about nothing. And, man, I'm telling you, and just everybody be right where they... But you know what? I'm not that way. That's not reality about this old boy. I want everything to be good. I don't want no sacrifice. And sometimes I'm so ignorant... That I think I've sacrificed when things get a little tough, or when something don't go the way, or when I have to give up something. Was boy, that's a sacrifice. You ever thought that? Well, you so I've never thought that. If you've ever complained, you have. And then I look at, look at this. I thought the other day when we was having breakfast, we walked away and I got in my truck and left. I thought. I wonder what it'd be like to have to take your kids one by one back home and say goodbye to them. What it'd be like to be on the other side. You'll be here for Hannah's baby being born, but you won't be here for Naomi's baby being born. You won't see that grandbaby till he's probably a year or two old. no sacrifice on my part. Amen. I'd say that's a sacrifice. Most people think if they go to church more than two, three nights, they've sacrificed. I know this crowd at them, but you know there is a crowd that church goes too long, they think they've sacrificed. How far? How far? I think at the judgment seat, at the judgment seat, I will have wished... Would have gave him more. I will have wished I would have gave up more. I will have wished I would have done more. There's no sacrifice too great when you think about what Jesus gave for us. As we stand tonight, how far will you go with God? Thank y'all. How about it tonight? I think that's what this revival's all about. God's a calling all of us, this preacher included. How far will I go tonight? Lord, what do you want out of me? What is it I need to take my hands off of in my life? What is it you need to let go of tonight? You need to release it. If you try to save it, you'll lose it. It's not yours to keep. It's not mine to keep tonight.